Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast for our Sunday services. Please open your Bibles as we dive into our study this morning. Or the Lord has laid something on my heart to share with, with all of you. First shared with me, then I get to come share with you. And the first thing that I really want to bring forth that I believe the Lord wants to share with you and with me is his love for all of you. Every one of us are very unique, designed, and fashioned by God. Yes, we're breathing in and out. We're doing the mundane things in life. But He has special plan and purpose for each one of us. And so where I want to start off is that He's given us gifts. The Bible says that He's given us spiritual gifts for His kingdom, for His purpose, for His work. And each one of us, you may be sitting here today going, well, I don't have any gifts. The Bible says you do. And so as you walk with him and as we learn through his word, you'll get to see and you spend time with him. He'll begin to make known those gifts to you because what happens is is you'll find yourself operating in them. It's not all of a sudden you wake up and go, I think I want that gift. You might struggle with that in your Christian life saying, I want what he's got or what she's got. But what we're going to find out in the Word is that we're all designed specifically by God to do what He's called us to do with our gifting. So if you would, if you got your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, there's there's some in front of you. Turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual... Oh, by the way, let me just say, Paul had just got done teaching about the, the Last Supper, um, how we're supposed to enable that, and how we're to incorporate that as a body. By the way, Corinthians is about the church in Corinth, okay? They were doing some stuff that was whacked out, and Paul came in and wanted to show them how it really should be done. And when I hear whacked out, that kind of speaks to me personally. Because we as a body, even though we've been, you know, we know Christ and about Christ for a long time, we as a body, and even Selah and, and and like Katie prayed, other churches don't necessarily function properly all the time. And so really why he brings in the spiritual gifts and and enters into this is because they were running wild with it. People were given gifts by the spirits, but then they were becoming puffed up. Guys with they were able to speak, they were more concerned about how they sounded and how elaborate they were. And it became all about them. And so Paul shifts gears from the Last Supper and from prayer. Now he's going to address spiritual gifts. So now that we got the little background. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the same Holy Spirit. So he's coming and said, look it, don't be, don't be dumb. Don't be ignorant. I want you to be aware that there's spiritual gifts here. I also want you to be aware that when the times before you came to Christ, we were all led away to, and that dumb really means mute or silent. Before I came to Jesus Christ, I ran to all kinds of different idols, things that didn't fulfill. You guys can fill in the blanks in your own life. Even as Christians, we got to keep that at bay. Because we can start seeking things that become idols in our life and, and they don't fulfill. And he goes on to say that nobody can say that if they're filled by the Spirit, Jesus is not the Lord. Obviously, that's not the Spirit of God. And at the same time, you can't say Jesus Christ is Lord unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul's coming in here and he wants to tell us all, although there's going to be diverse gifts and we're all different, we're all unique, It is by the same Spirit that we're drawn together. 
a lot of you and you and the people that I work with, I would never have anything to do with Kevin if it wasn't from, uh, for the Lord. Right? We rub elbows with other Christians and go, I don't know. We just, we just, we don't mesh. We don't get along. But it's by the same spirit that God has brought us to, together. There's no accidents in here. For whatever reason, you're sitting in sale of fellowship today, and we've become this little body of the bigger body, as Katie was praying. And so what he wants to do in us is just like Katie prayed, it was so beautiful, is he wants to seek out unity among us. And so Paul irons out that it's by the same spirit, although we're different walks, we've got different um, giftings, it's all by the same Spirit. We're all born again by the same Spirit. Verse 4 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but of the same God who works all in all. And just like I said, so there's diversity of gifts. And we're going to read what some of those are. But there's also a diversity of ministries. I, you know, I don't know how many times you've spent any time with me in fellowship, and I, I know the kids have. I've preached this often, is that there's a lot of different flavors in the kingdom of God. Right? There just is. I, we worship a certain way here, or Cambodia, for instance. I went to Cambodia. Man, they're swinging from the rafters. <laughs> but... It's all good. It's the same spirit. They're on fire. They're happy. They're excited. And I come in here with my conservative going, okay, I'm a little freaked out. But there's diversity in ministry. Pottersfield Ministry, although it's doing great things and it's involved, there's so many other ministries that are all part of the same spirit. They're all about the same thing. And we don't need to be competitive. But I believe the Lord will want us to be unified in some way. And I'm not talking about ecumenicalism where we're, we're unifying ourselves with everybody that calls themselves Christians. Because Spirit will testify who's walking with the truth and who isn't. It's not what I'm saying. But we do have to have that Spirit where we're all on the same page. And I feel what has happened here and the way I discern this scripture is that guys were going off on their own and they're, you know, they had false teachers and you got guys in there bringing attention to themselves and puffing themselves up and, and God, through Paul, wants to bring that into a structured, more organized scene. And that's what we're, we're learning about. So there's a lot of ministries and it says that there's a lot of activity. So we have Ignite. We have uh, Mudman. There's people are doing outreaches. They're doing homeless. There's tons of activities that are being done in the name of the Lord. Amen. And we can be a part of that. We can pray with them. Even though we're not doing that, we can stand alongside with them. It doesn't have to be our ministry, this ministry. We're all on the same page. We're, we're trying to reach the lost. Because Jesus is coming back. It says in verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So, I've got a few gifts and I'm not even going to say what they are. I started out with one that I thought that that was it. And it, for me, it was evangelism because I was moving furniture. I got radically saved. The next thing I know, I'm standing on the back of the truck 
engage in the guys they used to party with, and we're talking about life. Right? I mean, I'm not trying to say, turn or burn. All of a sudden, I've changed. I'm a real guy that's been changed, and they see that, and we start having a conversation about the Lord. Next thing I know, i got four or five guys I work with, or three or so, evangelistically speaking, <laughs> that are going to church. And these guys are getting saved. Wow, God, is, is, am I supposed to do that? Then when I was with Pottersfield 18 years ago, I got sent down to Mexico. And the next thing you know, I got 10 people around me receiving the Lord. And I'm going, wow. But it wasn't like I woke up and go, I'm an evangelist. That's what I want to be. It's not the way it happens. For me, it's been circumstantial as I've walked with the Lord. He starts opening up avenues, and you find yourself operating in that, and you find out that it has nothing to do with you. Like evangelism, when you're in the midst of sharing the gospel and you're sharing with strangers, you're watching somebody's eyes well up with tears or whatever God is doing in their heart, I'm going, this is not even me. (laughs) Honestly, for an ex-drug addict, it's the greatest high on the planet. To be in the midst of what the Spirit has designed for you to do. Each one of us are different though, right? There's no for me, and here's what I believe the Lord would share with us today and through this part of Scripture. There's not a gift in here, big, small, that is not equal. Okay, Paul's going to go into this and he's going to use the body as, a, as an illustration. But we're all equal in the sense that the body functions and needs each other. We need each other. I need you guys. We've had some good talks, yeah, gang? We've had some good fellowship. We need each other to get on in life. I need your gifts. i got to give you mine so that the spirit, so the body of Christ can function properly. But don't be in here and say, well... Yeah, my gift is, you know, just cleaning up. Let me just say this. Men have done this. They've put the gift up here. This gift is better, this and that. And I'm here to tell you, no. The Lord has purposely willed you with that gift. And if it comes from God, don't tell me that it ain't enough. So... Here's a guy that the Lord has allowed me, and I use this gifting of cleaning toilets. I wanted so bad to have this. I wanted to move up the ladder and have this in ministry. And God gave it to me. Renee and I ended up going down to be house parents in in Oregon, and next thing you know, they're offering me to be the director of the ranch. We were getting ready to leave because it was hard. The next thing you know, they're offering me a position to do this. God used it. It was very difficult. But here's what I would tell you. It didn't make me love God anymore. It didn't make me be a better husband. It didn't make me be a better Christian. He allowed me to have that. And he's also allowed me to have this. To where, where, you know, I'm just saying as a man, we all, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm an environmental uh, engineer. (laughs) Well, what's that? Uh, I'm a janitor. (laughs) That's what we do. We try to make it sound like it's more than it, you know. I also was a relocation specialist. Well, you might say, what's that? I used to move furniture. (laughs) But we do that in in human nature as that we try to be something more instead of being content with what the Lord has made you. And as a a man in his 50s and and getting on in life, he's allowed me to experience this and this and everything in between to really let me know that that's not what it's about. It truly isn't. 
He uses guys like that, and a lot of those guys get the credit. But what about the people that are on their knees, like my aunt, praying all the time? You never hear about any of that. I'm convinced that when they get to heaven, they're going to get a better well done because of their faithfulness in the things that we call little. But they're not little. And we're going to find out in that. Because he goes on in verse 12. And so he switches gears. It's all the same spirit. But now he uses the human body. For as the body is one, has many members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we all were baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks. Whether slaves or free. And have all been made to drink into this into one spirit. So, God has broken the boundaries. There's no nationality difference. There's no uh, position in life that's different. We are all a bunch of wretches that have been saved by grace and brought together as the body of Christ, His church. For in, verse 14, for in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would there be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has sent the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So, Here's what I want to say, and I'm going to confess to you here real quick. I got a bunion. Yeah. You would never have guessed that to unless you've worked with me. Yeah, by looking at me, you wouldn't know that I've got a bunion. And I'm going to here to tell you, as Paul was using this illustration, my big toe. So here's what a bunion toe. I want to gross anybody out here. But it's a fact. My toe goes in like this. I got a, it's like a calcification that grows on your bone and turns your toe in there. So my two toes rub together like this and it kills me. But not only what that has done, it makes my foot walk weird on a flat, on a flat floor. floor. So what I'm saying and using this analogy is, is that it speaks to me is that every bit of the body and the miracle of the human body has to work together. God, through Paul, is using this analogy. This body, Selah's body, will never function properly unless we all recognize each other and love each other for who we are. And the giftings that you have, it's my job and leadership job. Anybody here that's got that gifting to see that you're fulfilled and what God has called you to be, that those giftings are being manifested and being used. Amen? But if you think about it, any any one of you that are getting older in this room, the body begins to start falling apart, and then this thing has to make up for that. And It's the same way. It's the same way in the church when things are lacking, this and that. It, it, yes, it's going along and it's moving, but it's not flowing the way that the Lord would have it. And it starts out with giftings. Every one of us are, are very, that's why I start out with very valuable in God's eyes. It says, as he willed. It's not about a man going and saying, I think you should do this and this and that. I'm not saying it's not from the Lord because the Bible says there's word of knowledge. But I, I promise you, I can guarantee you, if you seek the Lord in this area in your life, Lord, what is the giftings that you have for me? He'll show you. Right? But it's going to take, it's going to take feet to your faith to do what he's asked you to do. And don't, 
look down and say, well, you know, all I do is, you know, clean toilets and clean the church. Dude, that's huge. It's huge. Why? Because everybody walks in and goes like this. This place, is, they're not even taking care of this place. But when you've got gifted people in doing that and honoring the Lord in the Lord's house, there is no, you get it? There's no pecking order in that. I feel like God wants you us to know that. Operate in the gifts that he's given you. And be content. Where am I? All right, verse 22. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our un- unpresentable parts greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need because they're always getting to do something up front, right? But God composed the body having even greater honor to the part which lacks it. That there should be no, my, I don't even know, what, it says schism, which means division. Okay, in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So here's another key, and this is this is kind of a negative. When you have that kind of heart and you don't find that rest in way that God has made you, and you're not content with the giftings that He have you, and you end up coveting somebody else's gift and you want what they have, then it creates a cancer. In the body, right? It's not healthy when you you don't operate in what the Lord wants you to do, but you want somebody else's gift. Anybody else been there besides me? Whoa. Whoa. No, in all seriousness. It's not healthy. And so what we have to learn is those gifts and be content to where... Um, he has us. And when we do that, you'll be fulfilled. Spiritually speaking, you will be fulfilled when you're operating in the gifts that he gives you. So what we just learned here, being in a bang and a bang and a bang and a bang and a bang, all not to to go there with your heart. And if you're there even today, bring it before the Lord and He'll make it right and start seeking out what He has for you instead of trying to be somebody else. Verse 26, "And, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. That, to me, man, I I desire... I, I, I want to be, and we have witnessed that. We suffer when we watch somebody that's part of this body go astray. Yeah? It hurts. We've all experienced that here. People have left. But that's going all over the place. It's not just here. And what happens is, is we become a body and we become close with one another and we depend on one another and then somebody leaves or they pass on or there's a suffering that goes on with that. But here on the same note is that if somebody gets lifted up or if somebody gets uh, glorified by God, in the same breath, we as a body should be going like this. Amen. Amen. But oftentimes going like that. Oh, how come that guy gets it? Truth be told, I'll raise my hand for everybody in here. Truth be told, you go, well, how come she gets to do that all the time? What about me? And that happens because of what we're going to get into next. And I'm going to read on, but we'll get to it. Now you are the body of Christ as members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. And then he goes on to say, are all apostles? 
Are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all gifts of healing, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best, best gifts. And then he goes on to say, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So we talked about this, but this, is, this next portion of scripture is really what the Lord laid on my heart. And really what we all need. And need to learn how to practice. Verse 13. I mean chapter 13 verse 1. All these giftings that he's given us. All one spirit. All working together. 13 verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Thanks for coming. Hope you have a good day. We better we better leave while we can. <laughs> heavy, 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 <laughs> heavy, heavy, bringing heavy, heavy. <laughs> this is a heavy message. I'm reading that, and as somebody, here's here's why the. This is what the Lord's been using me to share with the kids. And, and don't be disrespectful when I say kids. You guys are adults, okay? But I'm an old man, so I call you kids. <laughs> what the Lord has really been dealing with me in my own heart is I want to leave this planet. Yes, I've experienced stuff, him working and doing that. I, I want him to blow my mind this side of heaven. But I want to leave here having been so dedicated to him loving him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving people. Why? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. All the giftings. What Kevin can do is he can be so busy doing ministry and doing this and that, and no time for my family, and I'm doing all this and that. And the whole time I don't have any love. So what is it saying? I didn't say it. If we believe the Holy Spirit is penned this down, it says it's nothing. If I have all knowledge and I can speak all wisdom, all truth, God is speaking through me, but there's not love behind it, it means nothing. What is going to reach a lost world? Is it me going to be telling them turn or burn? Yeah, it's true. To sharing the gospel with me, but if it's not done through God and the spirit of love, it means nothing. It will do nothing. So the challenge for you and I, as we get in further into this, this study, is this word love is agape. There's four types of love, and you guys all know them, I think. There's sorge, which is kind of like a family love. There's phila, which is brotherly, brotherly love. And then there's... Um, Eros, which is a romantic love. And then there's agape. And this is the word that they're using right here. And that means unconditional love. How do we do that? How do I love somebody that I don't even like? It's true. We can't. Not unless you're spending time with the Lord. It's Him that does it. Turn with me, if you would, to First uh, John, chapter four. I want to see what it looks like. Here, I want you to know something. When we're talking about agape love, it's not a feeling, right? It's not a feeling, and we're going to find out practically what it looks like in Christian living. Okay, and we'll pick it up in verse seven.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Okay, so there's your standard right there. We need to love one another. It's so, it's hard enough to love Christians, let alone love somebody going like this. God, I don't want nothing to do with your God. That's not what it says. We're to love one another. And so that's the standard. It doesn't mean just loving the lovable. It doesn't just mean me loving my family and the rest I just put up with you. It means that we have to love one another. And how do we do that? Is that we accept one another. We accept people that come through that door that have different pasts, different walks of life than you and I could even fathom or understand. But we have to learn to love them with the love of Christ. This place should be a hospital for sinners. Yeah? It should. But you you and I as Christians, we should be the physicians. He's the great physician, but he's using us to tap into those hurts and those pains and those addictions and those struggles and every other yuck that we've all been set free from because of the blood of Christ. But unless we're loving, that won't take place. People just come in and go, hey, it was a great service, see you later, and go off into their life and do no thing. We want to love. We want to love people. That love for people is going to bring people. It's going to be the love that you have, God's love in you, that is going to reach the lost. It's the love of God in you that's going to help set that Christian that's struggling straight. It's not going to be just saying, my wife can testify to you, and I might be sharing too much. Go, I love you, honey. She goes, yeah, you always say that. Can you pick up your clothes? And she's not mean. I, I hope I didn't say that. But there's certain things, and what we're going to get into is there an action involved. So the standard is, is that we're supposed to love everybody, not just the lovable. Everybody. Verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Okay? So what that tells me right there, God is love. Now ponder that for a second. Think about that. God is love. He's not just the source of love. That's who he is. So you and I, the only way that we're able to ever, ever love with that agape love is we need to spend time with God. It says right here that you you don't know God if you don't love. So there's no way I can go out and give you my best thing and love you the best way I can, but it won't be enough. The only way that we're going to have that agape love is if we spend time with the king and get to know who he is through life, real. And as we do, then we'll, we'll get to know who he is and we can say, I know God. Because it goes on to say later in the chapter, I love God, but I hate my brother. You're a liar. You can't love God and hate your brother because God is love. So the more time that we spend with him, the more time that we agree with him, the more time that we walk with him, it'll be a natural byproduct for you and I that we're loving one another. Why? Because we're filled, all filled by the same spirit. And in verse 9 it says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. So first, we have the standard of love. Second is that we have, you have to spend time with God, with God to love. And the third here is that it needs to be action. Okay? Again, I was saying it's not a feeling. Right? Everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan. All these, these guys come running by it was one guy that finally took him out. It was the Samaritan and brought this guy in and, and brought him health and rest and all this and that. It was that guy 
the, to the, the, the rich lawyer, it was to that guy who was told that this was the right thing. So it's not just to say, I love you, honey, and, and not do the things that please my wife or show her that I love her. It takes action on our part, right? So it's love going, it, it's usually, and for my life, when God wants me to do something like that, it's usually in the most inconvenient times. <laughs> really. I remember one time Renee and I uh, were invited to dinner, and I'm rolling my eyes and going, I don't want to go, man. I'm tired. I, I really don't want to go to this dinner. We ended up going, and you, you probably remember this. We ended up going, and this couple was struggling so bad, by the end of dinner, they were bawling at the table. And God totally used Renee and I to help point them to the Lord. But it's usually through those times, like, I don't want to go. I don't wanna. It's, not, it's usually not in the times that I'm going to go be used by God. <laughs> Today is the day. And then you go to work and something happens, you fall flat on your face. And it's like, <laughs> we've all been there. But it, God will knock on your heart in those inconvenient times. Inconvenient for you and I, but not for him because he's always working. He's always working to reach the lost. So for you and I, we need to be sensitive to his spirit and love in action. When he calls us to do something, I go, man, I, I call him Kevin. And I'm going to tell you, call him Kevin. Call him. No, I'm not going to call him. Call him. And I didn't. I didn't. There was a friend of mine um, that we knew here years ago. And when uh, we came back to the ministry, he was so heavy on my heart. Every time I go to Glacier Park, heavy, heavy on my heart. You need to call him. You need to call him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blowing the Lord off. Blowing the Holy Spirit off. Well, then I see his wife at Mudman. I go, hey, Liz, how are you doing? It's good to see you. Man, I got to tell you, John's been on my heart. I've been meaning to call him. How's he doing? Oh, he passed away three weeks ago, however long it was. And I, I, I left there after talking to him. Now, God didn't go like this. You blew it. He didn't do that to me, but it was just a confirmation to me that I hear his voice. And I missed out on an opportunity to whatever God wanted to do in that situation, whether it was to hold his hand as he's going to meet the Lord. I have no idea. I will never know because I didn't, I didn't listen. There was an opportunity for me to go love a man that we didn't have the great connection, but he was heavy on my heart. The Lord wanted me to do something, and I didn't. And so we need to be aware of that, that love that, that takes action. And, and don't, you know, don't say no if he does, because he'll be glorified. He lets you be a part of it. When you all stand back and go, wow, that was cool. That was God. That wasn't me. Anybody else done that here? Yeah. We need to be obedient when the Lord lays somebody in this body. If there's somebody in here, the Lord has laid on you. Don't fear, um, don't fear rejection, I guess. A lot of people don't act because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody or they won't like me and... You know, we walk around instead of loving one another and, you know, helping each other out. So uh, the standard is to love everybody, um, to spend time with God. And the love that we, this agape love is a love full of action. Uh, in verse 10, it says, in, the, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Read this again. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Romans 5.8 says, let me turn there. Bible says, Romans 5.8 says, even while we were still yet sinners, 
Christ died for the ungodly. So this, this third thing we want to talk about, or wherever I'm at, fourth, I don't even know, is, fourth, thank you, is the agape love has no boundaries. It means it'll go to the depths of the depths of the depths. It'll go to the darkest, darkest place on the planet, as Jesus is the light of the world. It'll go, there is no barrier, there is nothing that that love won't go to. Even while you and I were in the crowd when he was with Pontius Pilate and we're going, crucify him. Where would we be? Anybody ever think of that in those days? All of us, not all of us, but most of us came out of a life that was just ugly. And he came, he first loved us. So with that love that he first loved us, we should love one another. I want to read a story to you. We have a movie on this, and it's done a little different, but I I want to read this story because it really puts in perspective in human terms of really what Jesus did. Because we can become callous to it. I mean, if you're anything like me, it's like, yeah, Lord died for my sins, it's great. And we don't spend enough time pondering actually what he did. But on the human terms, as I read this, man, I'll just read it. There's an old story about a man by the name of John Griffith. Some of you might have already known this story. Who lived in Oklahoma in 1929. He had lost all he had in the stock market crash He moved to Mississippi where he took a job as a bridge operator for a railroad trestle. In 1937, he was involved in a horrible accident. One day, his eight-year-old son, Greg, spent the day with his dad at work. The boy poked around the office and asked dozens of questions just like little boys do. The bridge was over a river. Whenever a ship came, John had to open the bridge to allow the ships to pass. The the day the boy was there... With his father, a ship was coming, so John opened up the drawbridge. After a moment or two, he realized his son wasn't in the office, and as he looked around, to his horror, John saw his son climbing around on the gears of the drawbridge. He hurried outside to rescue his son, but just then he heard a fast-approaching passenger train, the Memphis Express, filled with 400 people. He yelled to his son, but the noise of of the now clearing ship and the the oncoming train made it impossible for the boy to hear him. All of a sudden, John Griffith realized his horrible dilemma. If he took the time to rescue his son, the train would crash, killing all aboard. But if he closed the bridge, the boy would be crushed in the gears. John would sacrifice his son. He made the horrible decision... pulled the lever, and closed the bridge. It is said, as the train went by, John could see the faces of the passengers, some reading, some even waving, all of them oblivious to the sacrifice that had just been made for them. (laughs) As a dad, breaks my heart. helps me understand what he did for you and I. When I'm reading this, and, I, and I, that story, it puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Parents, they were oblivious. They had no clue. The world is going on, they have no clue what has been done for them. People partying, whatever. And I I, I don't mean to lose it in front of you, but to me it really puts it in perspective in 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 a deeper level of what Jesus came to do for you and I. If that doesn't break any barriers of love, I, I don't know what will. The cross. This guy gave up his kid 
so that everybody could live. Jesus left his throne and knowing what he was going to do, became a man. And by the way, he's still fully God and fully man. Became a man, dwelt among us, didn't have a place to lay his head, marched to a cross, was beaten unrecognizable for all of our sin. He died so that we could live. And that's love. There is no greater act of love than a man laid down his life for a friend. We're his friends. He's laid down his life for us. And so we get, not we have to, we get to pass on a little bit of that love that the Lord has shown us as we realize that that's what he wants us to do. That as we spend time with him, we're going to want to love other people because it's love that changes people. That will take that love and will will listen to God when he says, call him, call him, go see her, go visit that person. Whatever it is that God has been laying on your heart to do for him, take that action. Because what will happen is, is that love, that, that sacrificial love that God has laid upon you and I will go forth to other people. Amen. Turn back with me to uh, 1 Corinthians. I didn't plan that. Lord, heavy. It is. It's, it's, the Lord is awesome. The love that you and I, the Bible says that we see in a mirror dimly. But when I get home, I will, I will know as I'm fully known. It'll be fully made clear to us. We only see a little bit, but the love that he has for us, man, it, it's, it's an incomparable. The Bible says, and we'll read it right here. Pick it up in verse 4 of 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. When I read love suffers long, I know this, that it's been in, in Kevin's life. I can only testify for me, but I do the word. It's been the long suffering of God and the forbearance of God that has led Kevin to repentance. It's been the long suffering, the patience of God with Kevin that has changed Kevin. What does that mean? That means that we need to do the same with each other. It means that I don't, I don't expect you to be up here when you're not capable of being up here. It means that I trust God that he began a good work and you will be faithful and completed. I can be used to do all I can, but I can love you right where you're at and help you along as long as, as, long as I'm alive here. But it's his problem to see you to the finish line. And he said he would. It's long-suffering. It's not giving up on each other. Right? We keep going. We're long suffering. We're patient. We're kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't it doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek his own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Boy, what none of us stand a chance. Yeah, you read this list and I'm going, who can sit there and read this? Say, well, I got that one down. I got that. I'm going to... I fail in all of them. But that's the beauty of the cross, isn't it? Jesus came to set us free to make us right with God the Father. He took the wrath that you and I deserve so that we could have life. But as we spend time with the Lord and the long-suffering of the Lord, then we change, yeah? From glory to glory. We still fall on our face, but we get up because we've been walking with the Lord. We know that he's going to see us through. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Here's my wife. Believes all things. My wife had... my. I don't want to puff Renee, but I, I don't... She really... Um, she's got that gift to where she sees good in everybody. 
when I call a spade a spade, I go, that is, that guy or whatever, I'll call it what it is. She goes, well, you don't know that. <laughs> they may be going through this and that. She's probably right. Anyway, we're to believe all things. We're to believe in one another. We're to believe one another, in one another. Not everything you're doing all the time, but the, the, the belief is that you're God's kid. He's got you. He loves you. And I love you. I love you. I do. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will all vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfected has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Childish things. The seriousness of our lives here. For now we see in a mirror dimly. Oh, I just said that. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. That's cool. I'm not going to go to Paul. Hey, Paul, why'd you do that? Hey, why'd you do that? I'm just curious. We're going to know as we've been known. We're going to know everything. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, do you guys want to come forward? I don't even know if it, it came forth that way, but really, I, read, I, I believe love will bring us together. Love will keep us together. Love will keep us through the storms of Christianity and all the games and things that go on when the enemy comes in and tries to divide and destroy. Love will keep us together. Amen? Thank you for joining us as we studied the Word this morning. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at salafellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.